Hello and welcome to the Potshot Podcast, an Arsenal podcast for nerds. I'm Alex Towles. And I'm Alex Collings. And this week we are joined by Maram Albahana. Hello. Hello. Did I mess up that pronunciation? No, no, it was actually one of the best I've heard in a podcast. Well, hey! <laughs> uh, so we, we've had a nice break. It's been a lovely World Cup. We thought instead of boring you with our World Cup opinions or trying to talk about Arsenal when you guys are all clearly focused on the World Cup that is happening, we just switched to radio silence for about a month and hoped nobody cared. And no one's messaged us asking where's a podcast, so I think it's worked out fine. But now we're back and it's time to have a preview of the rest of the season, I suppose. Like, normally you do, like, a half-season review or something like that, but the World Cup is a convenient excuse for us to take a look back at how we were doing beforehand and see if we can carry it on into the future. And that's why Maram is here, because Maram is really cool and good with the stats and the numbers and things. So what we're going to do is this is basically going to be a fun kind of Q&A almost, whereas we we prepped a load of questions that we asked Maram. Maram has answered those questions using numbers, and then we will talk about those answers and see if they match up with what we've been seeing through watching Arsenal and what we think will happen going into the rest of the season. Our first question is, were pre-World Cup Arsenal the real deal? Um. I would say yes. So they've been a team that's kind of taken the next level in terms of where they've been from last season. They've been able to really uh, develop the ways that they've been scoring goals and not depend on one player. Um, so they've been getting goals from everywhere. They've been ex- excellent defen- uh, defensively. So like, um, here's a fun statistic that kind of blows my brain out <laughs> every time I try to read it. But um They've at least ended games with at least 40% of their possessions having ended up in a shot. Um, and the average rate, I would say, was 30 to 35% at the start of last season. So let me just make that super easy to understand. Basically, Arsenal are more purposeful in terms of the way that they pass, in terms of the way they create chances. I think they've always been a team that tries to, for example, especially last season, tries to penetrate um, from out wide and crosses and all that fun stuff. But like, I think um, in terms of how they circulate possession, it did feel like that they were not actually creating a lot of output from the amount of passes that they were creating. But now, now, whenever <laughs> they have a possession sequence, um, especially like, for example, building out the back, they're able to create shots way more often and a five percent chance a five percent chance is really a lot (laughs) like trust me i know the number seems small but that's a huge difference from this from just like a difference of a year and a a season so is that five percent with every possession that there's an increased chance of ending in a shot yeah yeah, okay okay yeah Yeah. so we're every time we have the ball we're five percent more likely to have a shot than we were last season which is that's a lot. I, I, I think I, I think that scans, you know. Like, yeah. last season, as you said, it did sometimes feel like we didn't... We weren't quite fluid enough when going forward and, like, connecting defence to attack. And it feels like we've done a lot better with that this season. Alex Collings, why do you think that number has gone up so much? Uh, I think it's going to be boring and we've spoken about it before, but obviously... Improvement in player quality, improvement in the system. I know Maram actually wrote a really good article about it back in August, about like how the how we've kind of changed from having that what we've called before that like you of death 
which, you know, we had under Emery and then we kind of had under Arteta to a lesser degree, where you're always trying to manufacture that like perfect pass, but it just, you know, we get locked up on the one side and then we recycle. And I think now with being able to kind of just change that shape, invert our wing backs more, we, we have more lines that we can kind of access. And then you have guys like Gabby J who can drop in into midfield to kind of service. And obviously if we're talking about the, about the fullbacks, like Sinchenko is just really good on the ball, really good at like finding different options. And crucially, I think just the jump in our, in our wingers, like Saka and Martinelli. Martinelli used to struggle a lot more when he was positioned out wide. And now he's a lot more comfortable doing it. He's a mu- he's a much better pass. He's much better than I thought he'd ever be kind of hugging the line. I always thought he was going to be like that narrow sort of wide for it. And now he's really comfortable kind of doing the job that Saka was doing last season. And for Saka, Saka's just improved like massively. Like he's he's pretty much everything you want from a from a winger at the moment. So so yeah, I think those are probably the main things. Um, maybe also something to do with rest defense with which Saliba comes in. And I think we're going to speak a bit about that later. Funny you mention um, Saka, Jesus and Martinelli because they're all in the top 10 for shot-creating actions as of this moment. Um, so what are shot-creating actions? They're basically just any actions that end up directly leading to a shot. So, for example, it can be a pass or a dribble or a foul, John. So you have three players in the top 10, which I would say is not common to have um, this many players creating a lot of threat for one team. Um, so goals are coming from, from everywhere for Arsenal, which I thought I would never say, or at least say, <laughs> not saying in a very long time. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I actually remember. I think it was after ten games, maybe, maybe a little bit less than ten games, but I think we had all five of our front five, so including Xhaka and Odegaard in the top ten, which is like, yeah, that's crazy, and I've never seen that before. And I think the closest behind us was City with two, and I think it was. Maybe it was Haaland and KDB. Maybe they might have had yeah. three, Foden as well, I think. Um, so yeah, I think that's also part of it. Like we don't really have like one sort of player that we try play into, which is something that, that I think we've always kind of had, like going back to whether it be like from Percy. Maybe there was that season where we had like Podolski and Cathola and like Giroud. We kind of spread it out a bit. But this is the most I've seen it. Like threat comes from everywhere. We've had spells where Odegaard is scoring a lot, which is not something that I really expected from him. Um, compared to the other guys in the team, we've had we've had times where there's Xhaka, who I definitely didn't expect. I didn't see that happening. So, so yeah, I think we've just found a good system where there is that always going to be like that other threat. So if you lock up two or three of them, there's still that other guy that can kind of score. Speaking of shots and threat and our attack, there is one thing that's happened in the last month or so that has made a lot of Arsenal fans very sad uh, and gives cause for concern going into the next part of the season. And that is that Gabriel Jesus, who we've talked about so much, has picked up an injury and will be out for a little while. I think the consensus is about three months, Alex. Is that about right? Yeah, those are the best reports we've had. Um, I'm not totally sure. I don't even know how reliable those are, but those are the only ones we have. We know he's going for a surgery, so it'll be a while. Yeah, so a lot of... We, we've said earlier, like, the additions of Jesus and Zinchenko have made us so much better on the attack and allowed us to have that structure where we have so many people generating shots for us, and hey, Gabby Jesus is a big part of that. Maram, what part of Jesus' game do you think Arsenal will miss the most? I think for a striker like uh, the way that Gabriel Jesus plays, especially for Arsenal, um, it's the fact that he can move throughout the entire width 
of the pitch, especially in the final third, and the way that he can um, connect with players like Martinelli. Sometimes he goes wide, Martinelli inverts and cuts inside. Um, and basically just make these little, you know, thread these tiny little passes going forward and um, provide dynamism and fluidity to an attack that might sometimes be static is something that has completely changed the way that Arsenal has played this season compared to like a player like Lacazette. Now, Lacazette played a similar role, but he ended up moving up vertically rather than w- through the width of the pitch, which meant that um, they weren't able to create these like little rotations that they can now in their system. So um, obviously Lacazette's not here now. So um, it is a bit concerning that a player like Gabriel Jesus with his technical quality and ability to like um, connect with all of these players and also create chances at the same time and score goals, it's not going to be around. Um, so for me, I would say they would really miss that part of his game outside from the goal scoring because I think Arsenal are, are fine in terms of goal scored for now. I think for me, it's just how he operates in possession is something that's going to be um, very apparent, um, especially for players like Martinelli. Um, um, compared to last season, so a bigger share of Arsenal's chances have come from the left half space inside the box. So these are this is thanks to... JCU's obviously, but also Chaka, so ability to run inside the box. So if we're going to say one person is going to step up to mitigate that loss, mitigate a goal-scoring loss, which is quite funny, I would say is Chaka. Um, Interesting. Especially, especially, <laughs> yeah, especially with like rotating with like um, Zinchenko, uh, Martinelli on that left, crashing into the box, uh, providing those like really long balls uh, from deep. That's one. Um, other is... Um, I think Nuketia might have an opportunity to, spe- to step up and play a crucial role. So, um, especially for the second half of the season. So, in terms of like the friendly games that have been played throughout the World Cup, um, he did really, really short against Leon. And what I found was that he was almost imitating the movements that Gabriel Jesus is so good at, especially in terms of like peeling out to the left and um, beating outside, uh, offside traps to create decent chances for others, especially before his goal. Um, so I think that might be interesting. And, um, obviously <laughs> you have, um, Reese Nelson that scored two goals against Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think mostly it, it would be unfair to say that you would not feed his loss, but also you really have to recognize that what's made Arsenal so great is one player, but their ability to basically create, um, a machine that's more than the sum of its parts. That's interesting to me because it's it's also that discussion of like, I agree with you that, that we have this machine that is more than some of its parts. We just spoke about how we had so many players near the top of the shark rating actions list, right? But what's interesting is is we're going to see now just how much like Gabby J, Jesus, whatever you want to call him, right? Was really like at the center of being able to manufacture that. And you kind of spoke about how last season we had, we had Laka, who was very good at dropping in. He's a very good technical player. I think he was a bit harshly viewed by the general fan base near the end, but he's always been very good technically. He just didn't have that mobility to like move out wide like Gabby J does. Um, and Gabby J also, of course, very good at dropping in. Much better than than Lacazette, even who I think is really good at it. But then now we've got Eddie, who's very good at also drifting out wide. I don't think he's really as much of a goal threat or, or good 1v1, so it limits him, but he is very mobile. He's very kind of good at receiving in those areas. It's going to be interesting to see how 
how proficiently is it actually dropping in? And we've seen this kind of development from Eddie season on season. I mean, I remember what three or so years ago, I thought like he's never really going to be the striker that that we that Arsenal would need or that Arteta would need because it's always been clear like Arteta needs a technical striker. And he's really proved me wrong. Like season on season, I always speak about how it's like. Every preseason, you just see Eddie taking it like up another level. And even if you want to treat this as a preseason, I feel like it's the same again, right? Uh, so I think personally, I think we are a bit screwed if we don't have someone who can replace what Gabby J offers with just that ability to create the situations where we are more than the sum of our parts, where we have those rotations and those overloads. It's going to be very important with how the, the central striker kind of does that. And. Yeah, it's just down to how good Eddie is dropping in. I remember, I think it was the Lyon game that I watched, that he kind of dropped really nicely and, and held up the ball really, really well at one point. And that's the sort of stuff that we're going to need a lot more from him. We don't need him to be like Gabby J, who's like literally will receive inside his own box and dribble two guys, pass and do whatever he does, right? We just need someone who can actually be that option to drop into midfield to help create those rotations and overloads as well. Um, other option is, is Emil Smith-Rowe, who Arteta has spoken about before. I've never really... There was that one game against Olympiacos where we actually went out. This was this was during the Arteta out era for a lot of people where he did play up front and it didn't go well. It'll just be about how he can receive. So yeah, that's sort of my perspective on where... I agree with Maram that it's definitely a sum of like our parts situation, but as much I think it's how key is that player to actually creating that situation that we have. Yeah, I think I probably lean more towards you, Alex. I, I think... Um, uh, I think quite a big part of what Gary Jesus gives us is that ability to drop in because when he drops in vertically that's when Xhaka pushes up and that's when Xhaka makes his runs beyond and gets those chances that he gets uh, and I don't remember seeing Eddie really do that yeah. uh, I might be wrong like I did not much as much of uh, Eddie and Ketia leading the line for Arsenal last season as I perhaps should have because it came around my exam season, so I wasn't really watching much football. We've got a but, fraud leading the pub. Yeah, I'm a fraud. Fair. I'm a fraud. But uh, in my mind, I don't see him as the kind of guy that's going to be dropping off. I, I see him much more of a line, as a line-leading striker. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Eddie does start to drop in like Jesus or if he does take the roles in a slightly different direction if he does lead the line more allow Xhaka to do some of the creativity because like that's the thing it's still Granit Xhaka we know he's got the passing range like Xhaka could do the passing from midfield that Jesus does it just the the movement of Jesus moving players would not be there obviously talking about uh, Granite Shaka, and we talked about a couple of these guys already, but let, let's ask the question head on and find out who Arsenal's standout players have been in the stats this season. Moran, what have you cooked up for us? <laughs> I think uh, this is a more difficult question to answer than you might think, because there's just so many options in terms of the first half of the season. Um, That's honestly, what we like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, my personal favourite is always going to be Bukayo Saka. Um, so he's ranked uh, second across the league for passes received in the attacking third. It's just the positions that he takes up um, and how he ma- maneuvers through players sometimes and maneuvers through space is, is so intelligent for a player. Um, and it just seems that he's gone a mile above from where he was last season. Um, and I know he's been overplayed to <laughs> to hell, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I would say I would say yeah, I would like. 
for me, he's been Arsenal's standout player. But you also have Gabriel Jesus. He's received more progressive passes than any other player in the Premier League this season. Um, and Martinelli is also second. Um, so that really also speaks to the types of um, the different types of ways that um, and spaces that they can take up, especially like, for example, um, out wide or inverted in the half spaces, running into the box. There's just a lot of options. Um, and then you also have Odegaard and Martinelli ranking fourth and fifth, respectively, for expected assists, which is basically the, the uh, likelihood of a pass leading to a goal. So um, there's just been so much threat, honestly. Um, I would say the entire attacking five. But um, although he doesn't appear in the numbers as much, William Saliba has been a breath of fresh air <laughs> um, and has been an integral part to how they press up front. And I know you might say, well, they're two, like they're two opposite sides of the pitch. But um, his ability to just recover when, for example, Arsenal uh, commit too much or when they have a 1v1, he's just been um, amazing. So in terms of defensive line, I'd go for Saliba. I want to just ask just for the people listening and also for myself, actually. But yes. from a stats perspective, you obviously have very good view, like understanding of, of what these things mean. But why is like passes received in the attacking third and receiving progressive passes? So the latter for Jesus, why are, the, why are those so important as like indicators of attacking performance? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So I would say... Um... For me, I always like to credit the uh, pass to both the passer and the receiver because a pass is only possible, obviously, because of the technical ability of the player and ability to recognize players in space. But the pass is also only possible because the receiver knew, for example, the ideal position to, for example, get the ball moving or to maneuver a chance or to create a chance for another person. So the fact that um, Gabriel Jesus has received the most progressive passes means he's enabling other players around him to find him in good positions. And he's also taking up these good positions themselves. So what is a progressive pass? It moves the ball closer to the center of the goal. And ideally, that's really what you want in a game. Um, you really want to increase the probability of a of a goal being scored rather than just like, you know, with a Ted Lasso poster, believe just like, <laughs> hey, score goals. You really want to be able to create these like, um, you know, you want to manufacture these opportunities. I would say, and having players like Jesus, Martinelli, Saka all taking up positions well in the th- in attacking third with discipline and balance is is so important. So how does Jesus actually compare? I know I'm taking you just off the top of your head, but how does I mean, most progressive passes in the league received, of course. How does that kind of compare with other players who are playing uh, central forward? I would say in terms of his mobility and his ability to like um, drop deep and create chances from there and receive in the box and also receive within the half spaces is not something that's unique within the league. Mm. Um, we've seen like players like Harry Kane do it and perhaps even do it better. But I think for me, um, why Gabriel Jesus has been spectacular in that role itself is his ability to create an impact, um, even when he's not, for example, the player that's scoring the goal or the player that's actually assisting the goal. Um, It's simple things that, for example, when you look up to the buildup of the goal, he dropped deep, which, for example, dragged the player towards him and created that space. That won't show up in any statistic you have today. But still, it's created an impact for, for example, Martinelli to run in through the box and, and score. Or um, he's, for example, rotated um, with Zinchenko 
went out wide. He inverted, created that space for him to actually create a pass and, and, and you know, split that back line in half. Um, so, and, and the ability to do that all together um, and still be a goal-scoring threat is, um, is amazing, you know? You usually have strikers that can score or strikers that can create or strikers that drop deep, but he's um, he looks like he can do everything. Yeah, he, he, he's that one glorious player where you go on to FVRF and you see the comparison <laughs> bars to all other top five league players in their position, <laughs> just green bars for and days. And that's what it's about. It doesn't even matter at the end of the day if we win the league. We won the we won FVRF, so we win. Yeah, we, we, we won FVRF. Yeah. We're top, top of the FVRF charts. To be fair, that's my table. That's my primary table. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start to talk a little bit more about Arsenal's defence because we spent a lot of time focusing on our amazing, wonderful, brilliant attack so far this episode. But our defence has been pretty good as well. Uh, this is a question that, that Collings asked you. Uh, and he asked about our pressing intensity or our height of engagement. So, like, when we're pressing a team, are we more consistent in our high press this season or are we still kind of pressing sometimes and then not really pressing at other times so the easiest way to look at that is just to look at um, Arsenal's average defensive line now if you just look at the games you can obviously see that they're um, way higher up the pitch um, and less reserved Um, so if you look at the average location of their center backs and the average location for example of where they um tackle where they um create a pass all of that fun stuff um it's as high as it's ever been since Arteta took over um and I think that's only possible because of the type of players they have especially Sidibe again as I said stepping out and being able to um recover just as quick he's so mobile um and um I always say pace is not necessary for a center back to be good um but for me, it's how you use the mobility of your body to be able to maneuver and, and um, stop, for example, an attacker getting at you. And I think Saliba does that well. So he uses his pace, but also the ability to read the game well and know when to in- intercept um, at the right moment, for example, not to create a foul. Um, so their high line has been as high as it's ever been. Um, and that's what's basically allowed them to press so highly um, in the attacking side of the pitch. And then... Um, basically try to suffocate opponents by, for example, pushing Chaka, pushing uh, Gabriel Jesus, Chaka, Martinelli, all of these players forward. And having um, Saliba in the high line um, and Ben White, obviously, really makes a difference. So you're kind of saying just by virtue of having Saliba means we can push that line higher. We can also, you know, engage a bit higher with our, with our press and kind of squish, squish teams a bit. And then that helps the attack getting yeah. back to our front five and letting them do their thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think Arsenal haven't lost their ability to defend well. So the first thing that Arteta really like put an emphasis on is how they move out of possession. Um, and yes, before, because of they haven't really developed their te- like their strategy in terms of going forward and how they're going to kill teams off, um, it did look a bit stale. But they're al- always defensively impressive in terms of how they're compact um minimum spaces between each line um how every player just knew where to be at the correct moment um and they've had two way wins against palace and leeds this season and i think if you go back and look at those performances and how they defended tightly and um especially in different areas it really um made the difference to them actually winning the game 
Um, so for arsenic, it isn't really just one or the other. They're not just low blocks or high presses. Um, they have such fluidity and flexibility to move out of different structures um, with players knowing where to be at the right time. Um, that's made them so unique, I say, and, and difficult to defend against. And I also think that there's just that confidence in the system that you can really see from the players now, like after years of having it. I think you brought up Palace game, and I think that's a great example because obviously we did we did kind of fall under a lot of pressure near the end, but I was impressed yeah. by how just tight and like focused and organized as a unit we managed to, to hold to hold onto our lead basically and see the game out. So Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's definitely a, a big thing that we can kind of we can do this high line stuff, but also if, if we do drop off, which obviously there are problems there that we that we've spoken about on past episodes that we need to deal with. But there is still that confidence in in being able to to work as a shape once you've dropped a bit deeper to hold on to those leads. And also to complement that confidence, um, they've also become quite braver defending up top as well. So the intensity of their press and how they um, like Gabriel Jesus, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, they all are able to restrict space for the opposition, as I said, to basically squeeze and squeeze them out and, and create chances. And they've been able to um, regain the ball higher up the pitch and create chances from there. So um, it's basically just given them an extra edge in terms of how they attack. And um, Arteta's side are second for successful pressure percentage, which basically just means that the, the times that a team gains possession within five seconds of applying pressure. For example, Martinelli presses down the opposition fullback, he gains back the ball. So that's a successful pressure. And they've gained it around 33.4% of the times that they have applied the press. So it's not only a high press, but it's also an effective high press. Just just because I'm I'm completely like 33.4 doesn't mean too much to my small brain. How impressive does that? Because I know it's second in the league. I'm assuming maybe behind City. Yeah. So how how impressive would you say that that is? In general, like in world football, like if we're looking at Champions League teams, is that a really, really impressive number to have? Or is it like just very good? I think talking about um, as a possession, statistics is always difficult because it's it, the way that each yeah, it's stylistic the way that each team approach, approaches how to defend out of possession, whether it's a high press or a low block or a mid block really changes the numbers. So um, it's always important to apply it in context. So, for example, if a side likes to, for example, really um, low block, compact, um, and just really compressed into the deeper areas of the pitch, a successful pressure percentage won't really mean much. But um, in terms of Arsenal and Arteta's side, um, the fact that they're gaining, um, regaining the ball, especially in advantageous positions, really speaks to how organized i would say and structured the side is because it's not just the fact that they've been regaining the ball but it's also the fact that they've been regaining it in higher areas and they're able to create chances from that i would say that that there's like a there's always a triangle depressing in terms of how you want to press um you have to be able to have a structure towards it and the ultimate goal and obviously the ultimate goal when you're high pressing is to regain it and actually um as high as possible yeah yes exactly um so yeah i think i think applying it in context is important um and arsenal have been second best in the league but also i would say across europe for example the ability to regain 33.4 percentage of the time in the context of a high press is is quite good 
Is there anything in Arsenal's statistical profile, Moran, that worries you looking ahead to the rest of the season? I think um, we also spoke about the Crystal Palace performance and how well they defended. But I think Arsenal, um, that's a good example to bring up the point that Arsenal do tend to struggle more than top sides, I would say, to control games when they're leading. Um, they tend to concede more territory and pressure than um, comparable teams. And yeah, it can be attributed to the fact that they're one of the youngest sides and they're still prone to like mental wobbles here and there. But I would say that's a point of attention, especially given that Arsenal um, spend most of their time now leading, which is a very good thing. So they haven't... <laughs> um... <laughs> but um, that also means that you have the ability to kill games um, and just crush your opponent. Um, and I think that just comes with time um, and obviously more quality to the side. But the other side of the coin is that they have also named an unchanged lineup more often than any other Premier League team since the start of last season, um, which is a lot, which means I think they tend to be a bit more um, thin in certain areas, especially in midfield. Um, so there's a drop in quality and confidence both on and off the ball when you compare, for example, Partey um, and um, Lukanga. And then, but I think on the same side, you've also managed to reinforce your fullback areas. Um, when Zinchenko was out, Tomiyasu was able to fulfill that role quite well and still maintain stability in that back line. Um, I would say depth. <laughs> depth is the next step. Um, and especially with Gabriel Jesus is out, I would say... Um, that's a area of concern, especially for the January transfer window. Um, because even though Arteta has built up quite a good system and different ways and flexible ways that they can attack, I would still say that the quality of the players is integral to that. Um, it goes hand in hand, really. So once a player is out, especially players like Partey or Gabriel Jesus, you do really start to question whether they can maintain their consistency yeah uh, I, I think we definitely agree with that in terms of depth and i think arteta and edu agree with that as well given that we've heard given that arteta has said in press conferences that he is looking to be active in this january transfer window and bring in some players um i think that area at defensive midfield is a big problem uh, we've been linked to his name escapes me, the one from South America, Alex Danilo. Danilo, I, I should have just guessed that one in three Brazilian people is called yeah. Danilo. Apparently, um, <laughs> the other one's but... all Gabriel, and we have them already. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, enough yeah. of the Gabriels. I'm, I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, we're looking at Danilo, um, who would be coming in as backup there. We're looking at Mudrik, who would be back up across the front line by the sounds of things. But to be honest, increasingly I'm less certain if we need Mudrik, considering like if if Reese Nelson's gonna get minutes when ESR comes back, is he gonna get minutes? Like obviously we like Jesus is missing and that's a hole, but like Mudrik isn't a striker. Aside from the stats thing, I think I kind of feel a bit sorry for, for Reese Nelson on or I'm brought up how good he's been earlier because he's actually playing really, really well. I mean, even the in the friendlies, he's looked great. He looked really good against Brighton in the game none of us watched, but we saw the goal. He looked really good for the goal, I should say. And he's played really well whenever he's kind of played, maybe except for the first two or so Europa games. And it still feels like it's inevitable that he's going to get, like, sold, which is kind of yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah, just from uh, from watching him, you know, come through. I think it's, like, almost a bit too late. 
I mean, I'll be surprised and Arteta surprised us before, but I'm I'm not sure that Arteta thinks Reese Nelson's like good now and we don't need to get Mudrik as a result. I'm not even sure why we want to get Mudrik so bad. I've not watched enough of him to really have an opinion there. He looks fun. That's all I can really say. But I do think it does seem that we do want a winger. And I think especially because, like I spoke about earlier, Arteta sees Emil Smith-Rowe potentially as the striker backup now with Jesus out. I think that could be kind of how the shuffle happens, at least until the end of the season. It's pretty encouraging that even for Maram, who's you know very good at picking out the small details and the stats, that there is no major statistical thing where we're really struggling beyond perhaps the 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 sort of phenomenal that we've seen for years now where we drop off after scoring too early. I think besides that, it's quite nice that, that there aren't these big question marks and we are actually genuine title challenges. It still doesn't feel that real to me to be able to say that. Like, I'm still waiting for it to fall off and we'll, we'll see. With Gabby J injured, like, I am worried. But but it's nice to it's nice to hear that at least from the first half of the season that Maram's not picked up anything. Yeah, I'm... I'm- Hopefully waiting for the other shoe to drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So when I was in school, when I was in year six, I had a teacher who would refuse to mention our SAT exams that we had at the end of the year until after Christmas, until the second term of the year. And that's how I feel with Arsenal and being potential title challenges. I'm not going to talk about it until... if If we're still there, like in February... Then I might think about it. But now, no. Not, not, not even going to think about it. I'm not, not going to talk, talk about, about it. it, says the guy with a weekly Arsenal podcast. <laughs> yeah, do <laughs> talk about it. Week. I'm not acknowledging it. I'm not, I'm not acknowledging it. We're, we're, we're just doing really well right now. There, there's no... The end of the season will come when it comes. Let's move on to a nice, fun question to finish off. Moran, what's your favourite Arsenal stat this season? Ooh, I have two. Um, two? Okay. Yeah, two. So the first one is, I know we've been talking a great deal about how great they've been offensively, but defensively, so um, Arsenal have not conceded any goals in the opening 30 minutes this entire Premier League season and um, have scored the first goal in um, 10 of their first 13 games across all of the competitions. So um, they've just as they've been defending well in the opening 30 minutes, they've also been scoring just as much. Um, so that's a fun tidbit for you. That is a good stat. I like yeah, this. Yeah. So basically, and, cut um, the games down to thirty minutes, and then we're actually we're yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Invincibles number two. Uh, two two thirty minute halves. Anyone? <laughs> well, you can't be Invincibles. You lost United. So. Uh, sure. <laughs> and then oh, um, <laughs> they have been ahead for longer than any other Premier League team um, this season, which is around fifty nine percent, which is quite fantastic in its own right. And again, brings up the concerns of. They should be able to kill off games, score a goal, score another one. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite statistics about Arsenal. And sadly, I've been quite enjoying how they've looked this season. Uh, on, on the topic of favorite stats, I just want to say RIP nutmegs on FB Ref. <laughs> you will be missed. Oh, they took those as well? Not just the carry yeah, and stuff? Yeah, nutmegs are gone. Uh, no more nutmegs. It's very sad. Did we have any good nutmegging players? 
Rashford. No, he's not. Oh, he's so. not one of ours. No, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Selka, Selka. That's I what I meant no, to say. That's no what idea. I meant to say. No idea if any of our players are any good in that mix, but I'm sure whoever it was would have been my favourite stat. You know who, who is Ben stat. White. Ben White was definitely up there. He's not oh, making yeah. a couple of players this I, season. I, I swear, we. I swear, I, was it Jesus? Someone scored a goal and he not made like two people in a row. I that was that was this that season. was Jesus. That was Jesus. Yeah. yeah. If it was anyone, it was Jesus. <laughs> Thanks so much, Moram, for coming on the pod. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. If you think that what Moram has been saying has been cool and interesting, we certainly do, you can go and find her on Twitter, at MoramPer90, where she tweets the prettiest football graphics you have ever seen in your gosh darn life. They're so nice. Go look at them. They're lovely. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. I hope you've enjoyed the World Cup, those of you that have watched it. Congratulations to France, or Argentina, on their win at the World Cup. This probably comes out after the final. I don't know. Depends how good I am at editing. We shall (laughs) see. Uh, Thanks to Alex Collings. Thank you for being here. Thanks, mate. Have you enjoyed being back? Back on the grind? Yeah, a little bit rusty, but no, it's good to be back. If you want to follow Alex on Twitter, if you fo- if you follow this podcast, you probably already follow Alex, but Alex on Twitter is at AlexFRCO. I am on Twitter at AlexTowels, though I don't know why you'd want to follow that. Uh, and we will be back next week with talking about football. Uh, it's West Ham. West Ham are we're playing next, so we'll probably talk about the West Ham game that done did happen. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you there. Bye!